your Bibles, uh, you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to hit a passage that uh, we've referenced before, and we're only going to hit part of it because we have a limited uh, schedule this morning. Uh, and also, too, just want to remind you, next week we jump back into the Gospel of John. Uh, our heartbeat here is to spend some time every year going verse by verse through the Word of God so that we can uh, develop an understanding of its meaning in context. And, and just to give you an idea of where we ultimately want to end up this summer, uh, every summer I try to do something that's more of like a summer series because people come and go for vacation. And I've uh, kicked around the idea of teaching a series called In Context or God Didn't Say That, some kind of title like that. It takes some popular Christian phrases that are incorrect because they are taking scripture out of context and building some sort of truth. And so I just started surveying people and some of the things that they've heard that in many cases know are wrong uh, made me smile. I thought, man, I'm going to have more than I bargained for. Uh, but this morning, our goal is, as we look at this passage of scripture, is uh, we're doing a two-week series called Refocus. Yeah, I know, real creative, great time to do it. I didn't want to do the Vision 2020 thing or Seeing 2020. It just felt a little too cliche for me. I'd rather go simple than cheesy. Uh, and uh, last week, we focused uh, on this thought that the members here at Bridge Bible Church are unified by one message. And if you're, you're new this morning or you're our guest, um, that message that we are unified by is, is just what we sang about, that Jesus Christ is our living hope. That is the gospel message. It's the good news that you couldn't save yourself. I couldn't save myself. I needed Jesus. And Jesus died for my sin and for your sin on the cross. And because he rose again on the third day, he is our living hope. We have hope because of Jesus. And, and I, as I was thinking about that for this week, and let me tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is one of those weeks where I, I wasn't quite sure which direction I was being pulled in. And I literally developed two messages side by side this week. And, and so you may ask, well, how'd you decide? It's like, did you take a coin, flip it, and oh, got to use that one? No, I, I spent Friday and Saturday really thinking this through as to what's the so what moment for us? If we're unified by that message, the question can be, if you're not bought in here, so what? And I wanted to take a minute to unpack that. Because unless there's some skin in the game, maybe you don't care that that's our message. Maybe you come because of the music, or you come because you have friends here. And, and listen, whatever God used to get you here, I am thankful for that. I want you to know that. Because my heartbeat is for you to hear about Jesus, and for you to have your life changed by him. Uh, and and I, as I was thinking about so what, I, I reflected on our values as a church. And I'm just going to run through these quickly. We, we had a whole message on this back in uh, August when we rolled out our vision. Uh, maybe you've heard these values, read these values, but if you have, I just want to remind you of these values. And if this is new to you, uh, I want to explain. We, we just wanted to have three simple values that can be unpacked because most people in church world can't remember more than three. True story, I went to interview at Maranatha Bible Church, and I was sitting around with their elders, and they were firing questions at me, and uh, I was trying to remember their five-fold purpose as a church, and I got to four, and everyone started chuckling, and I, for a second, felt, you know that moment of insecurity where they're all laughing, and you think you're the cause of that? Well, they're laughing because most of their elders couldn't get past three at the time. And so I thought, hey, if I got to four, I'm doing all right. Uh, but we reduced it to three, and we wanted to make some catchphrases that enlighten what we mean 
when we say these words. And the first one is community. And, and the catchphrase that we, we tag on with that is we're rolling out uh, our vision and mission and values and we're gonna continue to share in our Bridge 101 classes to, to reemphasize how important this is to us, is that life is better together. If you're living life isolated, uh, it, might, it might be fun to be independent. In fact, most young people think, uh, I'm, I'm mature when I become independent. It's not true. You're mature when you're able to be interdependent and depend on others around you. Life is better together. Uh, if you're an introvert, uh, you maybe don't need the big crowd, but you still need meaningful friendships, people that will point you toward Jesus. And, and that's so valuable because you don't want to go to someone who doesn't share your values uh, of like what the Bible says and all that uh, and say, I'm struggling with my faith with someone who's not of like faith. In fact, if they're of a different faith, they might try to evangelize you to believe what they believe. And, and you need people that are gonna point you towards Christ. Uh, the second value is integrity. And we wanna live life the way that Jesus modeled it. And so uh, our phrase that goes with that is we live kingdom down, not culture up. And what we mean by that is God's kingdom and the way he's ordering things, Jesus is the king. And we order our life from top to bottom by what Jesus says, not by structuring our life, oh, the culture is doing this over here, we've gotta get on board so we're not ostracized. In fact, if you look all through scripture, all through world history, a lot of times God's people were ostracized and the church grew most when it was persecuted. And you see what's going on overseas? The church is growing in places where it's persecuted. So we want to have that value of integrity. We want to honestly live like Jesus. And again, there's this big theological word that we say and we take for granted that people know it. The word is sanctification. And it's God's plan for everyone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus to be sanctified. And that's that process of being set apart and made holy, meaning all those things that you struggle with, all those sins, Jesus is the answer for that. Repentance and turning to Jesus is the answer for that. And that's how you become a person of integrity. And last is service. And our phrase that goes with that is making the invisible Jesus visible. So when we serve, we gotta understand two things. When we do it by the power of God's spirit and we do it for his glory. So it's by him and for him so the people that don't see Jesus can see him. When we do what we do for kids in the community, it's so that they can see Jesus. It's not so that Bridge gets a good reputation for Bridge's sake. We're not building a business. We're, we're trying to get the message out that Jesus loves sinners and he came to save them. We want to make Jesus visible to them. My hope is this morning that, that you knew that that core value of service was there. And some of us are very active in the community, and I think that's great, especially if you're leveraging that activity for gospel opportunities. Opportunities to share what God has done in your life. Opportunities to invite them to a service where you know the gospel in particular is gonna be preached very clearly, and people are gonna be called to follow Jesus. But sometimes we, we, we think of service and we forget about service in the church. And it's a very, very important component of what happens here. And I want you to know there are good things happening here at Bridge because most of us have embraced that serving in the church is the, one of the most important things we can do because when people see uh, outside the church, God's people come together by his spirit, serving by his strength for his glory, that sends a powerful message in the world today. And so my hope this morning is not that you'll feel guilty if you're already doing a thousand things because there are people 
carrying a heavy load this morning, and I am so thankful for you. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Uh, and some of you were there through some very hard times where we're all scratching our head going, I don't know which way this thing's going, but it's because of your faithfulness. I believe God was faithful. But there are some of you here that maybe don't quite understand what God has for you when it comes to church. Maybe you didn't know that it's important to serve in the church as well as the community. And I just want to take that opportunity to, to give you some scripture and give you some opportunities this morning. And listen, if you feel like I'm doing enough, my conscience is clear, God's not speaking to me, he's saying just carry on, that's beautiful. Because the, 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 the aspects of sermons that we forget, we always think, oh, I want to hear something new. I want to be enlightened. I want to be challenged. And then those are good things. But sometimes sermons are there to just remind you that you're on the right path. So think of sermons this way. Sometimes to teach you something you didn't know, or sometimes to remind you of something that you already did know, because it's important for us. So I want to share with you this scripture. This is Jesus building the case for service in Matthew chapter five. And we're not gonna spend a lot of time here, so if you just look at the screen, Matthew 5, uh, 14 through 16, here's what he says to the disciples. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the, the goal is to do good things, for people to see those good things, and to give glory to God because of those good things being done. This, is, this goes back to that phrase, making the invisible Jesus visible. That's why we do what we do. And I want to give you our focus this morning. Last week, Bridge was united by one message. This week, just as important, everyone has a role or a part to play in the, the mission of the church. Everyone has a role to play. And the question that I want you to wrestle with, that I am wrestling with as I get older, and, and know that over time, God's going to redirect my path in ministry and do different things and open up new opportunities. When I say that, I, I trust that that's here in Brimfield. I joked with the elders that I have had a 30-year commitment with, uh, you know, Bridge Bible Church, and, you know, four years in, I got 26 to go. Uh, but I also believe that there will be other opportunities, whether it's encouraging other pastors or, or connecting with people in the community, that will be a part of what God wants me to do. So I have to always ask this question, am I being faithful to the role that God gave me? And I want you to ask yourself that same question this morning. Because if we do that, just that alone, we're faithful to what God calls us to do. You don't have to fulfill somebody else's ministry. You don't have to embrace somebody else's passion. If that's not your thing, don't criticize them. Pray for them, encourage them. But you do what God has called you to do, to serve. And I believe if that happens, the church can function at what we call an optimum capacity. Let me give you a picture. See, at our house, my wife, she's very organized, way more than me, and she has done this thing that makes me scratch my head. It's like, this is fantastic. She created chore lists for the kids. Now, she went to the trouble uh, of breaking down their chores so that they do different things on different weeks, and she's got it all organized, printed out, and laminated. This is not something I would have taken the time to do. When someone gets sick or someone is gone, someone else has to pick up that slack. 
And so when that's me, I look at the house and go, it's not functioning at optimum capacity right now. I've got a lot more to do than I usually do, and I'm trying to do everything else on top of that. And so usually my boiling point hits when it's me taking care of our dog all the time. Because, you know, the kids are like, I love the dog. It's my dog. It's like, it's not really your dog. It's my dog because I do a lot of the work. And, and so when, when someone's sick and, and like if it's just, there's no cooking. It's like we're doing pizza. We're doing salads from this place. Lots of trips to Chipotle. How many, how many dads that don't cook are, are there with me? And I know there's some dads that are awesome cooks. Uh, and, but, you know, when, when my kids are down, it's like the rooms don't get clean and all that kind of stuff. So when our house is not at optimum capacity, here's what happens. We don't want to have anyone over. It might mean the, the smell isn't quite as good or the, the, the downstairs and the bedrooms and the, the hangout areas are not as clean or the kitchen's disgusting because no one's done dishes for three or four days. Sometimes churches end up like my house. You know, God's family can function like any other family that when we're not all doing our part, we're not functioning at optimum capacity. And, and with that, I just want to remind you, my attitude towards our churches, so many of us are. And I praise God for that. But it's good for us to look at serving and to make sure we have some right thinking about that. So this morning, as I said, we got Jesus who's made the case for it, Matthew 5. Let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and praise God. But then you got Paul who had to come back and deal with the church, the church of Corinth, and write a letter because some things got messed up there. Now, let me give you some, some uh, context so that we're on the same page. If you go back through the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, you read that and you're like, this church has problems. There's lots of problems here. It was a very, very dysfunctional church. And, and how you know is when you read like 1 Corinthians 3, they had arguments over preferences as who was the better leader. Is it Paul? Is it this dude named Apollos, who I believe was the pastor that followed Paul? And some people, to sound spiritual, would say, well, I don't follow Paul or Apollos, I follow Jesus. Not like saying, hey, I really do follow Jesus, and that causes me to honor the leadership that's there now. They're being spiritual and saying, well, Jesus is my leader, I don't have to listen to you. There was terrible sexual sin allowed to go on in the church. It was unconfronted. And, and Paul at one point said, man, you've got this sexual sin that's here, and, and you boast about how great you are. And he's like, you should have mourned. This is disgusting. We, we can infer from the text that it appeared that Christians were so much button heads and arguing and battling that they were taking each other to court. Can you imagine that? Going to church, you're there to worship Jesus, and, and the, across the room there's someone you got a lawsuit against because you believe they've done you wrong? There was a problem with how the church participated in communion. They didn't honor Jesus with, with the Lord's Supper. There were divisions, spiritual maturity, and we get to the place where there was faulty understanding about spiritual gifts. The people were envious of one another if someone had a different gift than them. And one scholar pointed out as I was studying this text, we look at others and we think, if I had what they had, I would be happy. That's not true. If you're an envious person by nature, typically there's nothing that will satisfy you when you have that kind of attitude. So we're gonna pick up in chapter uh, 12 and we're gonna pick up in verse 12. And, and we're gonna infer some points together this morning and I hope you can follow me uh, just for a few moments. Paul writes, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So there's a, an analogy Paul's putting forward. He's taking the body of Christ and comparing it to a physical body. 
Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. Very, very important. If you're struggling with your place here at Bridge Bible Church or you're struggling uh, at your place at work, look at that phrase right there. God organizes everything as he chose, especially if you're a believer. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Some great thoughts there. And, and I just have to ask, if you've ever had that moment, whether it was in athletics, school, music, or even serving in the church where someone is getting honored for what they've done and you found yourself jealous of them, you're dealing with the same kind of sin that was in the church of Corinth. And, and the only answer to that is to repent. Now, let me give you some reasons for repenting and the reasons that Paul gave in this passage. And look, by and large, this is not us, but I, I wanna share with you why I felt it was important to go here. One, uh, we have to play some chess this year. There's some areas of our church that are growing and it's gonna open up new opportunities. And if you have a desire to serve uh, in a way that, that uh, you're not currently serving, let us know. We, we might have slots we wanna put you in and give you some opportunities to, to serve at things that maybe you didn't think were possible. Uh, but also too, uh, I was meeting with Pastor Butch. He's the pastor of Maranatha. Uh, he's one of uh, two mentors that I have uh, kept in my life. And uh, he was reviewing our year-end data, which I'm gonna share some of that next week and the growth we've experienced, the, the, the money and the pledges that have been fill, fulfilled towards buying land. He, he looked at me and said, things are going well. This is when Satan will try to disrupt what's what happening at Bridge Bible Church. Keep your guard up. And so I share this this morning with no thought of any problem, but I want us together to keep our guard up. And here's what Paul told the Corinthians. He pointed out, and this is the first point, the Holy Spirit unites and empowers all believers. The Holy Spirit unites and empowers all believers. See, when we think of Christianity, we, we tend to think of divisions that we see on the outside. 
We look at churches that believe some secondary issues differently than us, and we have to remember they are part of the universal church too unless they get the gospel wrong. And we are united by the Spirit of God. Now, as we think of our church where we share the same convictions, the same beliefs, the same values, we value the structure that we have, uh, we have to consider what Paul says in verse 13. He said, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, some people read that and they take it the wrong way. They think, well, because of spiritual gifts, you're, you're empowered by the Spirit. When a secondary work happens in your life and, and maybe you pray in tongues, maybe you receive an anointing of some kind, I don't believe that that's true. I believe when we're talking about being baptized into one body, that happened at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit is the agent of baptism and Christ is the baptizer. And see, what Paul wanted to point out is that all kinds of people are filled with exactly the same spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's like the, the part of the Trinity that we don't know what to do with in our culture. And so he points this out by, by, by pointing out, I, I think, four groups of people. He talks about Jews and Greeks because there is contention in the church over whether you were a Jew or whether you were a Greek, arguments about doctrine, arguments about practice, and he says slave or free. And the, the conclusion I think this leads us to is this, your group identity is not the most important thing about you. Now, last week when we talked about one message, we, we, we referenced politics, and we said, you are not identified by your political party if you are a Christian. You're, you are identified by the fact you are a child of God. Whatever race you belong to, whatever ethnicity, uh, Jew or Greek, it didn't, didn't matter back then, it doesn't matter now. Uh, I'm Irish and half Hungarian, my wife's Italian, just means she makes better food than my people did, it's awesome. We come together and I experience the blessings of, uh, of what, what her family has in their background. And when we look at other people of maybe having something we don't, that we need, we're gonna have a fuller and richer life and at the same time be biblical because it didn't matter what ethnicity you were in the early church to the Spirit of God. And it doesn't matter if you were a slave or a freeman back then. Slave like an indentured servant, someone who was really, really poor, maybe paying off their debts through slavery. Listen, your socioeconomic status doesn't matter either. What matters is you are baptized into the same spirit. Baptized with the same spirit, filled with the same spirit. That phrase, we were all meant to drink of one spirit, we're called to be filled with the spirit of God. And that brings us a unity that could not happen any other way. We need to remember we're all saved by the same spirit. The second thing I wanna point out is that unity is not uniformity. Unity does not mean uniformity. In other words, you don't have to serve, pick your area of ministry. If you wanna help out in the youth, you don't have to be just like Trenton. Good thing. Trenton can be a handful, I love him. But too many of him would be a lot of work. You don't have to be just like me. And anyone who's gifted in administration is like, thank the Lord for that. He's a lot of work. We gotta chase him around and keep him on task because he's always thinking about the next one. Or you don't have to be just like Greg or just like uh, some of our musicians. You, you can have a different style or flavor to how you use your gift. Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. That's important to know. When we're comparing uh, the body of Christ to a physical body, you have a very, very complex body, and when it doesn't function in harmony, you, you know it. 
You, you take things for granted. Let, let's be real. If you're, if you're healthy and you're working out and you're active, like we, some of our young people here and uh, a couple uh, athletes that, that are in our church play football, uh, some of them do wrestling, some lift weights. Um, they're, they're active and they take it all for granted until like you get a knee injury or a hip injury and you, and you try to do what you want to do normally and your hips feel like they're going to explode. Then you realize there's a major problem. So, so we need this diverse body. We need it to function together. But, but just imagine verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If Jesus has saved you and this church is your home and you're like, well, I don't belong there because I don't do this, that, or something else, you'll stop being a part of the body. You're a little bit in rebellion. Like when your foot falls asleep and you try to walk down a flight of steps, that can be dangerous. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So this complexity helps us understand that we're all important. We're all important. You know, did you ever break a toe? It changes the way you walk. It's like, you need all five of those little guys. They, they all have an important role to play. See, sometimes when we talk about church, or we visit a church, or someone who's more of a uh, less experienced Christian, they might say something like this. Preaching wasn't good, but I love the music. You might say something like that. Or they might say, you know what? Music's okay. I like the programs. I don't like the music or the teaching. See, the gifts are more than just those two things. The church is more than the gift of preaching and the gift of leading worship. Verse 19, think about this. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. It's not just about one or two gifts that are visible in the church. Gifts of administration, things that happen behind the scene are so important. Gifts of service, gifts of uh, mercy, which our deacons, so many of them show. They're, they're so active in showing that. Where would our church be without that group of people that show tremendous patience and are able to help those in difficult situations, even when it requires a lot of them? Where would we be without all that? We wouldn't be a healthy, functioning church. So our church, if we think about this, we're in danger when we make statements like this. Well, if we only got this ministry, or if we only got this kind of preaching, or if we got my style of music in there, we'd be good to go. We start to say things like that, we're missing the point. And the conclusion we need to draw from this is that church is not a one-man show. And if you've been here since I've been here, I will admit to you, there are many things I cannot do, nor would you want me to if I thought I could. For example, singing. I could clear this room out with one song, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. You know how I know? The person who loves me the most when she sits next to me in the car just starts laughing and says, do you have any idea how tone deaf you are? And I'm like, well, yeah, I do. Thanks for loving me anyways. The church is not a one-man show. Here's the third point. We need each other. We need each other. You need the gifts that God put in our leadership and our worship leaders, our deacons, our elders, our staff, and we need your spiritual gifts too. We can't do this without you. Our, our, our job as a staff is merely to, to organize and remove the chaos so that God can work through you. 
If you came from a church background where the pastor did everything or tried to control everything, I want to tell you two things. One, it takes so much energy to control things. I, I'm, I'm too lazy to be a controller and I'm too unfocused to control everybody. I got so many things I think about on a day in and day out basis that I don't have time for that. Remember that phrase, ain't nobody got time for that? Controlling people, don't got time for that. We want you to serve, use your gift, you know, especially if you're in an administrative role. I'm not gonna tell you what tool to use. You tell me what you need and we'll see if we can find it because I want you to be empowered to fulfill the ministry that God gave you. We need each other. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? That's a problem for all eyes and no one hears and all we do is see. Uh, if you don't have legs, how do you get there? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. It takes a diverse collection of gifts to minister in a variety of ways. And not one of us has every spiritual gift we need. You know that? And listen, I want to tell you how I, I model this. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, I share a lot with our elders. And if you've been with us, you know that this, this whole land purchase that's happening, this would not happen if I was the only elder. It, it just wouldn't. We've got a very gifted elder who specializes in commercial real estate, and we have another elder who specializes in architecture. I, I feel like I hit the jackpot knowing that we need a building with just those guys on our elder board. And listen, there's other gifts that are here for other things. Some of you have the gift of generosity. And what I, what I see in scripture is those that have the gift of generosity usually have the ability to earn a lot too. God puts those things together. You know why? Because if a poor person had the gift of generosity, they'd die of starvation. Let's just be honest. So we need all those gifts to function the way God has called us to. Now, this is a question I often get, and I wanna share this with you, and, I, and if you're here, I, I want you to know there's love and tenderness in the scriptures and there's love and tenderness from our leadership. The question is this, what if I am unable to minister in the ways that I used to? Am I of any value to the church? The answer is yes. It's a resounding yes. Look back at verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which the more presentable parts do not require. If you're sitting there going, well, I don't have the gift of singing. I'm never gonna be on stage. Can't play an instrument. That doesn't matter. If you're not a public speaker, or your health is in decline, that doesn't matter. You are an important part of this ministry. Think about this. If you're being served by others with spiritual gifts in this body, you are considered, I believe, as being treated with the greater honor because you are the recipient of the gifts put into action. And you receiving care, love, service from those that are capable in our ministry that's that light being shined. So when other people see God, you being ministered to by the Holy Spirit through other Christians, that is a testimony to the world. It really is. And, and if you develop that mindset, or if I would develop that mindset, uh, you know, when I, as I age, that I don't want anyone else's help, I don't want them to use their spiritual gifts for my benefit, then I'm, I'm shutting off an opportunity for people to see God glorified through what someone else can do. That's a very, very dangerous way to live. And here's the other thing I want to share with you. So many people as they get older 
and they've served, they recognize the importance of prayer. Some of our best prayer warriors, and I believe prayer is what makes this thing go because prayer moves the heart and hand of God. Prayer enables people to do what they cannot do in and of themselves because we're asking God to, we're recognizing our dependence on him. And, and if you're one of those that says, you know what, I, I'm frustrated, I can't help tear down or I can't teach or I'm, I'm dealing with this illness or, 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 or declining health. One, if you're one of our prayer warriors, you're, you're very, very important to Bridge Bible Church. The leadership would agree with me on that a hundredfold. And secondly, if you are being served by members of Bridge Bible Church, know that you are loved and that service that you're receiving is a testimony to a dying world. And we need that just as much as we need those that are able-bodied and able to do what they want to do. See, praying for the lost this morning, we, we saw an example of how valuable that was. Tom and Brenda asked me, is this cheating to share this? No, you were part of it, you were praying. God wants us to pray and ask for him to work. When you pray for uh, land, when you pray for uh, whoever's preaching, when you pray for the worship team, when you pray for the leadership, when you pray for the children's ministry or the youth ministry, you are doing something that so many of us that are younger maybe don't give the value that we should. And we need that example. And we need you to be among us. Let me share with you a few opportunities uh, that we have. Uh, first one, setup team. In the end of the service, I'm going to introduce you to Kevin. A lot of you know him. He's been helping out with setup and teardown and sound and all those kinds of things. I'm going to introduce him to you because he is putting together a setup and teardown team. And the goal would be that you could make a commitment once a month, come early, hang out, take part in our service, and then stay late. That way we could take some of the pressure off those that do it every week. And the goal is twofold. When we want to get you involved, because the best relationships are formed when you serve together, because you're serving something greater than yourself. And secondly, there are those that have been faithful for a long time that need a little bit of respite. Also, too, we need help in our kids' ministry. We need life group leaders. We need leaders in our student ministry. Uh, a lot of our leaders have kids, so it would be nice if we had a few that had some flexibility, either because their kids were older or they had no kids yet. We need help with big events. Well, we're always looking to recruit. Uh, we have some people helping behind the scenes with administration. And, and of course, uh, giving and generosity uh, is something that we've witnessed here at Bridge Bible Church, and my prayer is that it would continue. And listen, if you can't do any of those things, pray. Pray that God would do for our church what you're not able to do. And, and let me share with you a story. Uh, this, the other thing coming up is Bridge 101 and 201. And we mentioned that. It's coming in February. There's a lady in our church. She works in our kids' ministry. She's so faithful. And she said, I can share this with you. When she attended uh, Bridge uh, 201, Discovering Her Spiritual Gift, this is about three and a half years ago. She realized one of her gifts was faith. She had the gift of faith, meaning she can believe and see what God was going to do when other people said it was impossible. Her name's Kathy Hess. She's awesome. And we were sitting there, and I looked at her, and I said, hey, Kathy, do you believe that someday Bridge will have a building? She's like, absolutely. And now we're on the precipice of buying land as a church. Three and a half years later, three and a half years later, what, what the, the previous pastor said, we'll never have land, we'll never have a building, it's too expensive. Our church is too small. But she had faith and she prayed faithfully for that. And we're about to take a big step together as a church. 
So next month, if you're not a member, please take Bridge 101. If you have taken Bridge 101, get your paperwork in. Have the interview with the elders. We, we love you. It's, it's really laid back and easygoing. Our guys are not like going to quiz you doctrinally. We just want to know that you're on board and we want to get to know you. If you've never discovered your spiritual gift, come to 201. Have lunch with a group of people. We'll introduce you to the heads of our different ministries. And uh, we want you to get involved. We want you to find value in the church. And also, too, mo- a lot of people tell me this. When they get serving and they're operating in their spiritual gift, all of a sudden their life focus takes a major shift. All of a sudden they find fulfillment that they never knew what God had for them. So my prayer is that our response to this message is that you and I will continue to serve faithfully. And if you're not serving faithfully, my challenge to you this morning is find a place in the church to serve. In 1 Peter, we read this verse, and I love the way it's rendered in the NIV 1984, uh, even more than the ESV. It says, as each has received a gift, this is the ESV, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, meaning God's grace is varied. He meets us where we're at, sometimes through other people. The way the NIV 84 renders it is, each one of you should use your gift faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Meaning, if you've got a gift, and all believers do, when you exercise that gift, you are sharing God's grace with them. May it never be that God could challenge us or accuse us of withholding his grace from others because we refuse to serve. If you're new here, we want want you to take your time. If you've been here for a while, we want to help you get plugged in. And the question this morning that only you can answer is, have you found a place in this ministry to serve others? If this sounds like a foreign concept to you, maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you need that moment where you say yes to him as your Lord and Savior, leaving your old life and following him for the first time. Or maybe you just didn't know what the Bible said about serving. But the challenge today is to start working towards finding your place where you could serve and share your gift with others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church body. I thank you for those that are faithful. And Lord, I pray those that have been faithful and are currently faithful would not feel guilted by what was shared this morning, but I pray they'd feel encouraged. And I pray that they would feel like the alarm is sound and that help is on the way because I believe if we're gonna continue to grow, we have to continue empowering more and more people to serve. So thank you for that privilege and that challenge. God, I ask that your spirit would protect the unity that's here. There'd be no backbiting. There'd be no unnecessary criticism. Lord, that if we have something to say, we'd say it to the person that needs to hear it. And Lord, I pray that when you return, you would find this church faithful and that we would have done all that you set us out to do and that you would have done through us what we could not do for ourselves. Lord, I I just look at my life and I know that you are why that I am here and you are why all of us are here. And may we recognize that and live to your glory. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.